Good morning and welcome on this uh, 4th of July weekend. We are so excited you are joining with us this morning. Do you take a moment to greet each other um, in your homes, wherever you're watching, but then also take take some time to greet each other virtually. Yeah. Um, I know everyone's seeing it, so say good morning and enjoy enjoy the word. Have you ever felt hungry? Now, not just like the regular hunger where you're like, oh man, I could really use some snacks, but like the moment where you start getting hungrier and hungrier and you just can't take it anymore like like have you ever been in a situation where maybe you're sitting there you're comfortable you're relaxing and you go over to the fridge you open it up and you take a glance you're like no and you close it and you go back and some time passes and then you're like maybe the food fairies have arrived in my fridge let me go check one more time and you go you open up the fridge you look Nope, and you go back, and you start repeating this over and over. At, at some point, you will get hungry enough where you will settle for what's there, right? Have you ever been in that situation or that scenario where your hunger keeps growing and eventually you settle for what is presented before you? Today's message, we're going to be looking at that. When sometimes we get hungrier and hungrier, like where we're going to look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 in a moment, we can be tempted or we can have things that come in our lives that maybe we'll settle for less than what God wants for us. It's in these temptation moments that really make or break us. It's, it's these moments that we need hope the most. And so let's look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 as we dive into hope through temptation. See, it's, it's in here where Jesus has to go through our tests to prove that he's fully God and fully human. That he can pass everything that we go through as a human being. That no temptation, no how big it is, how small it is, he is still God and he is fully man. And he can overcome it. And so leading up to this in, in, in our scripture we're going to read today, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry, right? He hasn't even gone to the fridge to check what's in there yet. And the devil is going to show up and present the fridge in front of him, if you will, and give him some options to sin. And Jesus just knocks out of the park, right? Flying colors, or else he wouldn't be God. Okay, we know the ending of the story. Jesus is going to pass his test, which enables us to pass our tests. So I want to give some hope today of when we feel tempted, or we think that things are are happening in our lives where we can't overcome it. Yeah, we can and I want, to, I want to give us what Jesus replies with, because if we can take on what he did, that gives us hope in these situations. So let's look at this. The scripture today, the devil tests Jesus three different ways. Each test is actually an exchange. So he's testing Jesus with an object or something, but in the back of the scenes, it represents something even greater. And he's trying to swap something out and manipulate Jesus it just, a, just a tiny little bit to see if Jesus will sin. And so I want to look at the three great exchanges as three great tests, if you will. Three things that the devil tries to change and slightly tweak in our own lives to cause us to fall into temptation or sin or whatever you want. And I love that it's Independence Day too. Like this is our 4th of July sermon, if you will, in the middle of our sermon series, Can't Cancel Hope. That's why I'm wearing my red, white, and blue. <laughs> you have some red, white, and blue too going on. 
<laughs> in a creative, flowery way. But I was thinking about um, just Independence Day and freedom and how we can have full freedom through who Jesus is. And, and in this situation where Jesus was isolated and alone and away from everyone else, the devil swooped in to try to steal that away, try to steal his freedom away, and he overcame it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test. The devil is ready to give in. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Jesus is starving. Jesus is hungry. It even says that in the Bible. He has gone 40 days and 40 nights. And he's at his breaking moment. And the devil's like, I think you're the weakest let me show up now, right? I don't want to bother with you in person when you got your crew with you and you're all set and you're healing everyone else. Let me wait until you're at your weakest moment to tempt you. And I think there's some irony there because that's a lot of times what the devil does in our own lives is when we're all alone and we're feeling weak and he swoops in and is like, this is the moment. It's also the moment that we can grab the hope that is Jesus and say, not today, devil. Not today. So the devil tries to force Jesus to transform a stone to bread. It's kind of unusual. Kind of a random request. So what does this actually mean? What's, what's happening here? Is this, is this a, a temptation that a lot of us face every day? Or the devil's like, hey, see that rock? Why don't you make it something else? <laughs> I, like, I'm not forced with that. So there, there's something more going on here. The, the first exchange, we can really understand it by Jesus' response. You shall not live by bread alone. And, and what's, what's the ending say? It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. So, so hear this out. See, the devil is trying to convince Jesus to change the stone into bread. And God is saying, it's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. You're trying to exchange something else for the word of God. That's what's really going on here. It's, he's trying to convince them, take anything else that isn't the word of God and pretend like it is the word of God. Right? Take a good quote and try to live off of that. Try to be a good person by doing good deeds, right? He's, he's trying to manipulate Jesus just slightly, just like how he tries to manipulate us and saying, I wish you would just do this. Don't worry about the word of God, right? Just be a good person. Just do good things. Let's see, let's see how your life turns out. Come on. It's so much easier, right? If you're, if you're like this, and, and I, I, I look at the picture as if Jesus is starving, he's malnourished, and he says, turn the stone to food. 
And it represents turning something else into the word of God to be sustained. Mm. And the interesting thing about this for me, my, my, my takeaway that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me to, to relay as your pastor to, to you, is that there's a couple people watching and listening right now who are just malnourished, not from food, but from the word of God. You are so starving and desperate because the enemy has allowed you to convince yourself that you don't need to read the Bible all the time, that you don't need to dive into the things of God, that you don't need to do this, and and you can exchange other things as your sustenance to live by faith. And you're starving. And you feel empty. And no matter what you try to do, and it doesn't make sense because you, I've done the right things. I'm doing the good things. I've, I've done this and I've done this and I've done... And you still feel starving and hungry on the inside because it's not sustaining because God says you have to live by my word. That's what fills you up. Because you have not consumed and fed on the word of God in weeks, months, years, whatever, you're willing to settle in your life. Just like with the fridge example, it's like the hungrier we get, the more likely we are to settle. The hungrier you get for spiritual things, the more likely you are to settle for what the enemy gives you. And it all comes down to just because we don't dive into the word of God or we allow other things to substitute that. It's like, oh, this is a good quote. That's, and, and, and we can almost think, oh, that is a quote from the Bible. And we don't ever look it up and realize that's actually not from the Bible. You know, I've heard people quote so many times, I'm like, oh, the Bible says, I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's, it's not even from the Bible. That's from this century. <laughs> like, that's, you know, and it's, it's interesting The devil tries to get us to exchange what we consume. The stone represents anything that tries to replace the word of God. It's anything that distracts us away from the word of God. It's anything. Person, place, thing, anything that would pull us or draw us away from what God says to us and about us. That's that's what it is. It could be TV, social media. Right, like, like just forward this along to 10 other people and you'll be blessed today. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You could also try reading your Bible. It's, it's these things. It's, it's distractions that we allow to come in that consume our time, our finances. You know, there, our stones could be anything. Our stones could even be conspiracy theories floating around, Right? They could be anything that distracts us from the Word of God. And I want to make a bold statement right here. I, I just want to say this, and I want you to hear my heart out. And I, I want you to understand what I'm, I'm getting at here. It could be anything. And I think for some Christians, it can sometimes even be politics. One of my biggest rules at church, I've said this, if someone starts talking, I'm like, hey, church is not a place for politics. It's a place for Jesus and us. And I want to say that 
man, we need, we need Jesus. Don't allow politics to replace your word of God. Don't allow what someone else is saying and this and this and this. The devil is literally trying to exchange the word of God for anything you'll grab onto. Mm -hmm. Just like with Jesus, he's like, turn this rock into bread. Exchange. You too can be full. That's the same stupid lie that he's trying to sell all of us for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. Don't buy into it. The moment that the devil tries to give you something else to exchange the word of God, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss out. I mean, I when I was younger, I missed out a lot. I mean, I still get caught by this one. I still get hung up on this. If you genuinely look at your calendar and your bank account, you can easily see what your stone is. And don't give me that, well, I don't use a calendar, so I don't, that doesn't count for me. No, no, I'm saying like, is if you go back and you document every single moment, your minutes, your hours, your days, whatever, your bank account, if you, if you would stop lying to yourself and saying, oh, it's always empty. I'm living paycheck. To, well, is it because there's a stone in your life that's drawing you away to all these things? You, you can identify stones through, through the time and the money you spend. It's, it's crazy. Do you know why the devil tries to get us to consume the stones in our life rather than allow us to consume the word? And just, just follow me for a second. I want to write this down so I, I was extremely clear on this one. The Bible declares that hope is Jesus. We talked about it. Hope is not a feeling. It is a name and that name is Jesus. But the Bible also explains that the Word was with God at the beginning of creation. And the Word was God. And so this, this linear path, if you will, is when we consume the Word, we develop our relationship with Jesus. And when we develop our relationship with Jesus, we grow in hope. And so the, the devil's roundabout way is to try to cut us off at the root like we had this, um, what's the milkweed plant outside with the caterpillars? Mm-hmm. It full on died. And, and we were like, why is it dead? It's all brown. It's uh, only to come to find out that a gopher had eaten the roots and the whole plant died. Because if you take out the root, the entire thing dies. And the devil views you consuming the word as the root of your hope, the root of your faith, the root of your life is consuming the word. And we'd be foolish to allow any sort of rock to come in and the devil to say, you know what? You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to get into that. (sighs) Just get an inspirational photo and put something on top and put it Mm -hmm. on social media and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. What? No. You need that deep inside of you. devil wants to remove hope by preventing your relationship with Jesus. The, the, the setting, if you will, the context of this whole uh, 
battle of wits, I guess, battle of faith, testing, whatever you want to call it or name it, when the devil and Jesus are duking it out over temptation and Jesus just obviously wins, right? The setting is critically important. There is one word that it's such like a hidden gem inside this verse that it's so easy to miss. It says, the Bible says, the Spirit led Jesus out to the wild or the wilderness. That word in the Greek just blew my mind when I read it. And, and this is why this scripture falls into this sermon series was because of this one word. The Greek definition is lonely, solitary, desolate, and uninhabited. It's, it's this isolated feeling. It's when Jesus was all alone. No one else is around. No disciples are there. Nobody. He is isolated. And that's where the enemy tried to attack. And I referenced this earlier in the message. And, and it just... Oh, we gain so much power and understanding when we realize that. That our temptations come when we're weak, when we're, when he views that we're, you know, we're just going to give up or give in or give out or whatever. The setting was, Spirit led him into the wilderness, into isolation, into social distancing. And I really want to parallel where we're at in the state of our country, actually the world, what am I saying? It's the world, and where we're at in our faith. I feel like this is such a perfect time to dig deep into our faith when we're all isolated away, when we're quarantined. What a great opportunity. What a great moment to say, I'm going to take my time with Jesus because I've never I've been given a blessing. I get extra time. Mm-hmm. In your loneliness is where the devil tests you the most. We're going to do something kind of unique and different today, all right? So just just hang in there with me, okay? We're not ending the message right now. It's not the end of the sermon. We still got some more. What I want you to do is, is grab uh, your cell phone, tablet, computer. If you're streaming full screen, uh, make it unfull screen, <laughs> whatever it's called. I don't know. You know? And before moving forward, I want you to grab your device that you're watching this on and and typically on most devices, there's comments below. So if you're on Facebook, there's a comment section. If you're watching this live, there's comments. If you're somehow watching this whatever, navigate to where this is happening. And, and I want you to get ready to leave a specific comment. So on Facebook, YouTube, our website, whatever. Okay, so get your device ready. And we're going to pause the sermon and do life together. This is one way we're going to do life right now in this message. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I'm going to give you a question. And what I want you to do is go down in the comments below and put your answer. Write it out. Spend, spend a couple moments just thinking this through and put a genuine answer down. And then not only that, that would just be posting, right? But that's not what we're about. We're trying to do life together. So I want you to also comment and reply and engage in conversation. In the comments.
take your time to talk to someone. Take your time to share. And here's the question. What is a stone in your life? What is something that distracts you away from the Word of God? Write about it. Why? Because if you can unmask what is hidden that the devil is trying to get you on, he's like, ah, they know. (laughs) Right? Share about this. Be genuine. Do life together. Share in the comments. Say, what is it? What is it that is your stone? Is it television? Is it social media? Is it what is distracting you away from the Word of God? And if you, and and then look on some other comments. If someone else has something like you went through, reply and encourage them. Like, man, I was there. You got this. You are going to make it through. I believe in you. I come on. So right now we're just going to pause the message. It's going to go for a little bit, and then we'll come back in. So jump into the comments down below. Welcome back. Thank you so much for engaging and doing life together. Um, it's just something new we're trying, you know. Let's be real. Let's be honest. We are in this community of faith, and I think it's awesome that we're going to be engaging. Um, and if you're not watching live with us, please, by all means, I hope you left a comment still. And it might take a little bit, but someone will reply eventually. Yeah. I think that's special. So, jumping in. I want to continue with the tests, with the great exchanges. And continuing in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. I think it's kind of funny, right? Like, first the devil says, Turn the stone into bread. <laughs> Jesus is like, No. He's like, Jump off this temple. And he's like, Nah, I'm good. But I, I like looking at the, what Jesus' response tell us is he gives the deeper meaning of what the devil is trying to do. Right? Because at superficial value, read that and you're like, man, I'm glad I don't have a sin issue with jumping off of temples and, and mountains. That would be crazy. Right? It's more to that. It's way more in depth. Because Jesus' example, Jesus' answer shows us so much more. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. 
right? It's, it's brilliant. So how is this a test? The second exchange, Jesus's, Jesus references testing God. He's, he's saying something subtle here. So testing God, what, what is, what's testing God? You know, is it, is it writing out like five questions and saying, God, can you please answer these five? I just pop quiz time, please. You know, no. The devil tries to exchange faith for thoughts. That's the exchange here. That's what's going on is, is he's trying to take what our faith is and exchange it for what our thoughts are. The devil wants to steal your faith and exchange it for what you're thinking. And you see it so many times in, in all believers, young, middle, old, whatever. People have been walking the faith a long time. You see this exchange happen a lot. You know, they have this faith. And at one point, all of a sudden, their thoughts are subtly, coercively by the devil being swapped out for their faith. Mm-hmm. And what used to be this faith, like, I will stand on this and I believe this, they start allowing their thoughts to infiltrate and take over their faith. The first exchange was what we allow into our life, right? He wants to exchange the word. It's what comes into our life. But the second exchange is what we think. It's in our mind. It's it's this. So the first one is what comes into our life, and the second one is already in our life, but he's trying to exchange that with something else. See, thoughts. The thoughts that he wants us to have in in place of faith is, is this. Is God real? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Was, was Jesus really God and really man? Was this? Was that? It, it's all these different thoughts that we have. Am I really saved? Any thoughts and questions that, that want to tear you away from loving God? These are the things. These are the, it's, it's when we have thoughts that take us away from God rather than thoughts that question and de- develop and, and build our faith. It's the thoughts that pull us away rather than build our faith. That's what I'm getting at here. The devil is so subtle in this test. The second test is, is really twisting what's in your mind. And, and just like with the first test, I think there's people in this test right now. There are people that are right now watching this, listening, who you haven't told anyone, but you are struggling with your faith because the devil is testing you. He's tempting you. To exchange your thoughts for your faith. And, and, and you're, you're losing this battle because you haven't recognized it. And that, that's really it. You, just have, you don't realize what's happening. It's so sneaky and so subtle. And, and I, I want to dive into this a little bit more because I'm going to help understand and unpack the deeper meaning of what's going on and how Jesus deals with it. Did you catch the first word of the devil to Jesus? If. 
devil said, if you are the son of God, if. Just, I just got chills. Think about that. If. Satan himself said, if you are the son of, if, if, if you are the son. Now, just go with me for a moment. Up to this point, we know that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God since the beginning of time and beginning of creation, which means that Jesus was in heaven with God since eternity, and the devil used to be in heaven worshiping God with all of creation. The devil full, full well knows that Jesus is God. How many, how many months, years, eons? Well, I mean, what does that even look like? Eternity? Was he standing before Jesus at the throne of God who saw that he was God and now he sees he's on earth? And then he says, if you were the son of God. Oh, the devil has no question about if he's the son of God. He has no inkling. He knows 100% that Jesus is God. He knows. But it doesn't matter that he knows. He's trying to plant the idea in Jesus' mind if he is truly God. So the devil knows he's God. But he's trying to convince Jesus that he might not be God. What if this is all a dream? What if this is fake? What if this is just something that's just, I just made up? He is, the devil's trying to convince Jesus that Jesus isn't Jesus. This is the most ridiculous thing, like ever, right? I mean, I want to preach an entire message on this one line, but today I can't because I'm already committed to this message. If the devil knows that Jesus is Jesus, but he's trying to convince Jesus that he ain't Jesus. If you were the Son of God. If. What, what is the devil trying to do to us? The same thing. Yes. If you're actually saved. If God is real. If you're actually adopted in this faith. The devil's trying to make you question your identity mm-hmm. in Jesus. He's trying to make you question who you are in the kingdom. He's trying to make you question if you're actually saved. He's saying the same thing 2,000 years ago as he is today. He hasn't even changed up his tactics. If. And the crazy thing is I have prayed for more people than I can count on their identity, their relationship, if they've been saved, and the devil is alive and trying to continue lying to people on this same one. Are you kidding me? I hope you're sitting there. I hope you're taking notes. And I hope if you are struggling with this very thing, you would realize it is not about you. It is about the devil trying to take you down with him. If, come on. Of course you are. That's not even a question. Am I saved? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Do I believe he's my Lord and Savior? Yes. If, come on, move past it. The moment the devil begins whispering doubt in your ear is the moment, just 
Catch this. The moment he starts whispering doubt in your ear of who you are and whose you are, it's because he's scared of who you are and whose you are. Yes, yes. He's scared of you. He's scared of what you represent. He's scared of your impact in the kingdom. Mm. He is scared of everything you are. Because the enemy's already been defeated and the only way that he is has an ounce of happiness on this is if he can tear you down and have you separate your faith and replace it with doubting thoughts. If. Move past it. Come on. He is trying everything to exchange your faith with doubt. So how do you reclaim your faith? How, if you're in the situation where you're like, yeah, I know that's, that's easier said than done, but I'm still insecure. I'm still doubting. I still don't know. I, I have bought full well into this, and I don't know how to get out of it now. And you're like, give me the answer. I need to move to step three, if that's you. I love it. It's really simple. It kind of goes back to point number one because these all sequentially build on top of each other. You need to read the word to know who you are and whose you are. The Bible, nonstop, through the understanding and the perspective that it's about Jesus and it is Jesus, as you read it, you understand. You are saved. You are loved. There is grace. There is mercy. There is peace. There is joy, kindness, everlasting, everything gives all the promises to you. It's, it's available. It's this free gift for everyone. Right? It's not limited to the first 10,000 that sign up. What? It's available to you. You will understand who you are and whose you are by completing step one. Right? It's getting the word in us. And as soon as we get the word in us, our relationship with Jesus starts building and we understand who we are and then our faith starts supercharging because we know it. We don't just think, oh, what's this? What's it? No, I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. The lack of Bible in your life is connected to your lack of confidence. Mm. Your lack of Bible is connected to your lack of confidence. Your lack of confidence is your, your lack of security, your lack of your insecurities, all of it. They're directly connected. Your insecurities, your doubts are hard to overcome when you don't have the answer. Right? This, the funny thing about this test from the devil is it's open book. And the book is the Bible. You just have to open it up and you have the answers right there. It's an open book test. And, the, it's, and it's basically pass-fail. And the only way to fail is if you quit on yourself. Like you have every tool before you. You can pass it. It's simple. It's easy. Going to, to number three. Matthew chapter four, digging back into verse eight, the last test. The third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms. Just take a moment for right now. 
Every time I read this, I'm sorry, it's just stuck in my mind, but I always imagine Aladdin on this magic carpet ride as he's talking to Jasmine. He's like, ah, you know, it's like, I can show you the world. And I feel like that's, that's the devil saying, I can show you everything. Just come with me on this magic carpet ride. This easy way out, the shortcut. And don't, don't buy into it. He gestured expansively, pointing out all the other kingdoms, how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. You know, just like little tiny uh, instructions at the bottom, right? The, the legal jargon down there. Jesus refused. Refusal was curt. This is the message translation. Beat it, Satan. Pretty straightforward. He, he backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over, the devil left, and in his place, angels. Angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. So the devil tries to get Jesus to bow down and worship him. Right? He's like, I could show you the world. That's all yours. Act now with one easy payment of bowing down. Jesus references, we only worship our Lord and serve him with our whole heart. The first exchange was what we allow into our life. The second exchange was what we think. And the third exchange is what we worship. It's kind of like a breath, right? It's what you take in, it's what you use, and then it's what you breathe out. This is, this is the three tests of the enemy. It's, it's our worship. It's our actions. It's what we do with what we have in us. What, what is your worship? Again, I don't think any believer has ever struggled with coming face to face with the devil and falling on their knees to worship him. Right? That's not something I picture happening. Just a celestial being popping into into your room and you go, you are you are Satan. I feel I need to bow down before you. I don't think that's that's the test here. And we know what's the real test because Jesus gives the answer is our heart cannot be divided. Mm-hmm. Our whole heart, our, sing, our heart is one single organ and it must bow down to only God. That's it. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I preached a message on this a while ago. But our heart is one of our few organs that you can't lose half of and keep living. Right, your liver, you can cut in half. Your kidneys, you could take half. Your eyes, you can take half. Your brain, there's actually studies where they could take out half the brain. It's the only organ that can't live if it's divided in half. And I think it's no coincidence that God built our bodies this way and then says, your heart can't be divided. You will die. And then references our heart to our worship saying, if your worship is divided, you, you will die. 
just like the organ physically can't be separated in half, your spiritual life can't be separated in half. It leads to destruction. It's painful. Worship is serving. This, this other key word that pops out in this verse is serving. It says you will only serve your God. And he references serving and, and likens it to worship. Serving is worship. It's this action. But the action revolves around who we are in front of. And so the devil says, rather than facing God and bowing down to who God is, why don't you stop worshiping him and worship me? Have your heart divided for one moment and I will not touch your people ever again. The entire kingdom is yours. And Jesus says, I can't. I cannot do that. I cannot divide my worship. I cannot divide my serving. I cannot divide who I am and what I believe. It is singular. It is one thing. See, the last test, it's about our worship. And I feel like worship has become a buzzword in the last few generations. Mm -hmm. Worship is not a trendy song. It's not a catchy lyric. It's not something that you just hear and you're like, that is worship. Hill song, you worship. You know, boom. And I think, I think it's detrimental to think that worship is a song on Sunday morning. And the whole irony and the saddest part of this whole three tests is the last part is dividing our worship, dividing our, our serving. And I feel like the last exchange where the devil tries to swap out God for something else, something or someone, so that we bow down, if you will, or we try to serve, or we look towards, and our service is towards that, I think he's done too good of a job on this one. Because it's so subtle, and it's so crafty, and it's so easy to miss. Let me say it this way. Priorities. The audacity that we think that worship is Sunday morning only mm -hmm. means we have bought into this lie and have failed this test. Yes. If your worship for you is Sunday morning only, you're failing this test. And as your pastor, that breaks my heart because I feel like I haven't equipped you fully or haven't laid it out good enough. I don't know. If worship to you is just Sunday morning and a song, it means you have failed this test. And I want to make sure that drills in and you hear that. That's one of my biggest concerns is that we would think that worship is that. Because the moment that we take all of our priorities and think worship is Sunday morning only, then that allows Monday through Saturday for us to have priorities elsewhere. For us to be bowed down before other things every other day of the week. And that's what the devil was after with Jesus. And it's so sneaky and it's so clever and it's so divisive. And I'm concerned as your pastor 
that maybe you haven't seen that yet. And I need to do better. I need to do better at instructing and teaching and loving and caring and, and all of it. And, I, and I'm always trying to grow. But I need you to catch this. This is, this is one of the scariest points. Because some people just don't realize that the devil has swapped God with something else Monday through Saturday. Do you, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Um, it's, there's one of the Indiana Jones movies where at the very beginning he goes into this temple and he's going after this uh, golden statue. Right? He goes through all these traps and he makes it through and he gets there and he has this pile of dirt in one hand in a bag and he has this golden statue and he takes some dirt out and he takes some dirt out and he's trying to weigh it out and then he tries to swap it really fast. Right? So he can steal it away. And this is, this is the scene of the third test. See, the, the temple actually represents us and our temple. And I know it's a golden statue. Please don't misunderstand this and read too far into it. But the golden statue represents what is, what's at the center of the temple. It should be God. It should be Jesus. Right? That should be the center of our, of our temple is Jesus. We are the temple and he is the center. And the enemy, I know, I'm sorry, Indiana Jones fans, but the enemy is represented as Indiana Jones. Coming in and trying to figure out what's it going to take What's it going to take for me to steal Jesus away Monday through Saturday in their life? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's a person. And he weighs it out and he waits and he waits and he sneakily exchanges it. So hopefully miss it. But the best part about Indiana Jones and the temple is the temple realizes it instantly and tries to kill Indiana Jones and tries to reclaim it. Right? And that's that's what a believer, we need to act. If the enemy tries to get into our inner, innermost temple, our innermost heart, and tries to steal away Jesus, we need to react and say, no, not today, devil. No, not today. I will send everything at my arsenal, every single word, every single person, everything, everything I can muster up in my faith walk, I will go after getting that back. I need Jesus at the center of my life. The devil will spend more time convincing you to dedicate your life to anything but Jesus. Because if he can get you to dedicate your life, he's got your worship. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's asking. He's saying, Jesus, would you bow down before me and I'll give you the kingdom. He's trying to convince Jesus to dedicate his life to one thing for one moment as a distraction away from the kingdom of God. And I think it's this crazy move that he's still doing to this day for us. Right? It's like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to do this and I'm, I'm so busy. The busyness of life. And the devil's like, yeah, just keeping you busy. Mm-hmm. Let me just keep you on that hamster wheel going over and over and over because it'll distract you from what you're really supposed to be doing. Man, it's, it's these things. Have you ever done everything for someone? Have you ever, another way, another look, way of looking at bowing down to someone or something, have you ever put someone else on a pedestal of your life 
where you become consumed with trying to make them happy or make them feel good or do this and do that and your whole life becomes about them, appeasing them and, and making sure they're comforted and, and all of this. And, and that's, that's a subtle way that, that the devil comes in to try to swap some, something out for Jesus. Right? To say, oh, this person's really important. You should, you should spend every moment trying to make them happy. Sometimes it's things. Right? Sometimes it's careers. We put in so much time into a career. We stay later. We show up early. We go the extra mile. And, and we're doing everything we can because we want to make that the biggest priority of our lives. And the devil's like, yes. I swapped your priorities. So we worship God and God's at the forefront. We'll do all those things the best. We'll diligently go after it because we, we're trying to appease Jesus, and we're saying, I want to do everything to the best I can, my best ability, because I'm worshiping you. If someone's hurting, I see them, I, I pray with them in that situation. And that's when we're bowing down on God's our priority, is we'll start seeing it's actually, that thing is a mission field, rather than our end-all, be-all purpose. Now, the devil tries to convince us that if we simply dedicate our actions to someone or something, all the doors will open and everything will be good. Right? That is the biggest lie. If I spend all my time, my energy, my effort, my money, my time into this, everything will be good after such and such date. You'll never be satisfied and you'll never be quenched. No matter how many raises you get, no matter how many whatever's happen, you'll, it'll never be enough. No matter how many zeros and commas are in your bank account, it'll never be enough. Because the enemy will keep trying to distract you and convince you that other things have priorities other than Jesus. This test is where most believers will fail Monday through Saturday. When your relationship with Jesus only moves forward on Sunday, it is evident the devil has split your heart. Convinced you that the busyness of life is first priority over God. Jesus had a response to the devil in every single temptation. Every single test, he had a direct response. Just instantly. I thought that was interesting. I like that. Because it's easy to think like Jesus would just sit there and be like, you don't impact me. Like, you know, like the devil's so insignificant to God. But Jesus had a response. And my favorite thing about his responses is it was the word. It wasn't his thoughts. It wasn't his opinions. It wasn't what happened that day. It wasn't reasoning, it wasn't logic, it was the Word of God. Because He had the Word in Him. And that's what we need, especially going through temptations and tests. If we want hope through temptations, if we really want this weekend that represents independence and freedom, if we really want freedom, from what the devil is trying to do in our lives, we need to have the word in us first and foremost. Yes. We need to have Jesus as our priority. 
I really want you to have hope through temptation. My heart as your pastor, and I know I shared this a little bit earlier, but it hurts when I, I see people fail their tests. It hurts when I see them fail the first time, it hurts the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the millionth time, whatever it might be, that hurts as a pastor. It, it breaks pastors' hearts to see people stuck in vicious cycles when the answer is so simple. It's just Jesus. It's just the Word coming into you and you living by what Jesus calls you to be. And, and that's it. And, and I want to challenge you today that your next step, your next step today would be to make Jesus a priority. That's it. Your next step is make Jesus a priority. That's pretty broad. It's pretty expansive. It's it's a big next step. But I think you could choose something in that. What, what What does it mean in your life right now to make Jesus a priority? Is it saying my Monday through Saturday is not going to be as busy and going to be more focused on Jesus so that I can have the living, loving God flow through me throughout my days? You know, what what does that look like to you? Every person is going to have a different answer for this. But bottom line, the next step is that Jesus is your priority. Be thinking about this. Be processing. Be prayerful. And take action steps. What is your action step? What is your next step going to be that Jesus is your priority starting today? Not just today. Starting today. And... If you would truly make Jesus a priority in life, the word of God would not be exchanged for anything. Remember stones to bread? Your faith would not be exchanged for your thoughts. And lastly, your worship would be undivided. Amen? Amen. Jesus needs to be our priority. That, That is our next step. Let's pray. Lord, Give us the understanding, the wisdom, and the direction of what that truly means for us today. I think some of us are stuck in one of these tests and we just need to move past it. But wherever we're stuck, wherever we're at, wherever our relationship with you has led us, wherever the the enemy has snuck in, I pray that we would refocus and make you our priority starting today. Just like with Indiana Jones and the temple, I pray that we'd be able to identify the intruder into our lives and rebuke him. Let's dig deep and know the priority that belongs in our lives. In your mighty mighty name, amen. Amen. It was so great to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, And we are headed into our time of tithing and offering. So you can go ahead and click the link above or go to lighthouse805.com to our giving page and give there. As well as you can also um, give to our children's ministry fund as we are still raising funds for that. Um, And speaking of children, we have kids camp. It's coming up real soon. So make sure to... um, If you haven't registered, you can still register. I believe you can register up until the day of. So make sure you get your kids plugged into that. It's just, it's going to be so good and they're going to be so blessed. Um, Especially in a time now where things are just so unknown for them. So it's from first grade through seniors in high school. So make sure you uh, register your kids for that. It's going to be so good. 
Um, we had our first Zoom communion call this last Wednesday. It was such a sweet time to uh, really spend cool. with each other yeah. virtually, but still to, to take the time to share and pray for one another. Um, it was just so good. So good to see your faces for those of you who were there. And if you were not there, it's okay. You can hop on to the next one. We're going to be doing every first Wednesday of the month. Um, so make sure you are staying in the loop and staying connected to know when that's coming up. I mean, the first Wednesday of the month, but you know, we need those I need reminders all the time. Um, so make sure you are plugged in. And one way to stay plugged in is to um, receive our weekly newsletters. So if you don't already receive them, make sure you email us so we can get your email address and we can send those to you. Yeah. Um, and then double check your spam or, or promotions folder. Sometimes it get drops in there, so make sure you're checking those to make sure uh, you're getting the newsletter and reading them. And you can also follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we have just fun updates and things to, to be interacting with each other with on there. Um, this last week we had a craft on there, and it's just you know things to keep us busy, but also to keep us uh, tied to the to the word. Um, so. You can backtrack and look that up, and then we'll be having some more fun stuff in the future with that as well. So thanks for joining us. Be safe. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your Sunday with your loved ones. Call each other up. Just say, hi. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> um, and we just love that you were spending time with us this morning. So we love you guys. Have a great week, and we will see you again soon. God bless.